I won't let my active psoriatic arthritis joint symptoms define me. Emerge as you. Tremphia guselkumab is proven to significantly reduce joint pain, stiffness, and swelling in adults with active psoriatic arthritis. Some patients even reported less fatigue as assessed by survey one week prior. Results may vary. Tremphia is taken by injection six times a year after two starter doses at week zero and four. Serious allergic reactions may occur. Tremphia may increase your risk of infections and lower your ability to fight them. Before treatment, your doctor should check you for infections and tuberculosis. Tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms of infection including fever, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough. Tell your doctor if you had a vaccine or plan to. Emerge as you. Learn more about Tremphia, including important safety information, at tremphia.com or call 1-877-578-3527. See our ad in Food & Wine magazine. For patients prescribed Tremphia, cost support may be available. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. There's no place like the movie theater. The smell of fresh popcorn welcomes you to a full body experience while candies and sodas compete for your attention. Pick me! Pick me! Hoping to join you in the best seats you've reserved on Fandango. It's where movie lovers buy tickets, pick seats, and double up on rewards points all online. All that's left is to walk in, snack up, and sit back. Visit Fandango.com or download the app today for your ticket to the movies. The field goal unit for the Bills runs out. The clock at 13, the clock at 12. They set up right now for a 41-yard field goal. Clock at 7, the ball put down, the kick is up, and the kick is no good. He misses wide right. He misses wide right. Five men on defense. Five-yard penalty. Still fourth down. Oh, my goodness on the Bills, the penalty. Will Lutz will now try a 36-yard field goal to win it. Ball put down, good snap, the right-footed kick is away, and good right through the middle! Dead solid perfect, and Denver wins it! That was one of the nuttiest Monday night games in a long time, and fitting. For the sixth time in Week 10, the game ended with a walk-off field goal, although it was a walk-off miss, then it was a reprieve, and then I thought, you know what? He's going to miss it again. It just felt like it was crazy enough that Will Lutz, who had missed an extra point, they had had an extra point botched, which left two points on the board. That, And you don't know how that affects the flow of the game the rest of the way. I'm not one to say, well, let's just add two points to the total score that the Broncos would have had. Psychologically, that changes things from that moment of the game forward. But regardless, it was nutty. It was fun. For everyone except diehard Buffalo Bills fans. I mean, even casual Bills fans have to say that was fun. But the fork is almost in the Bills. Nine days to Thanksgiving after last night. There are so many different angles, so many different plays to talk about, so much to do, and so little time within which 
to do it. Good morning, Miles Simmons. It's PFT Live, and we get to have some fun for the next two hours. Oh, we certainly do, Mike. Oh, boy. I'm I'm really glad I'm on the show today, man. This is going to be great. I can't believe what we just saw. But you know what? At the end of the day, it's like the football gods basically said no. You don't get to commit four turnovers against the Denver Broncos and still win. That, that's basically what it came down to. You know, all of the freaking miscues that the Buffalo Bills had throughout the course of that game. No, 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 no. You don't get to win this game. You played too poorly to win this game. And that's exactly what happened. Well, that was something that Sean Payton said after the game. When you're plus three in the turnover differential, you win 98% of the time. Yeah, and yes. 2% of the time you lose. And last <laughs> night was almost in the 2%. It was very close to being squarely in the 2%. By the way, old business before we move forward, I do have to share this because last week we spent the first seven to ten minutes of the show talking about my edge shaving cream running out on me. So I had this shave with no cream at all last Tuesday. And then we got into the conversation about dental picks and my concern that there's going to be billions of dental picks taking up landfills everywhere. I'm told that Oral B has some sort of recycling program where they'll send you the mailing label so you can put all of your used picks in a bag and send them back to Oral-B, which makes me think twice about buying. (laughs) Sorry, Oral-B, you thought this was starting as an ad, which makes me think twice about using (laughs) some floss pick that has been in someone else's mouth sanitized and rethreaded. No, thank you, Oral-B. I'll just go back to using floss before I do that. So I'm off the floss picks after that. I've been scared straight on the floss picks. I didn't know that that was a thing. I told you that there are some biodegradable ones and that those are the ones I buy. Do I know what they're called? No, but I get them from Target and they're in like a little green bag. So... Do that. Hey, I, I like don't listen. don't don't do whatever oral beats doing over there with recycling uh, floss. Uh, that that's a little disgusting for me. I, I I have my phone with me, so we've merely spoken about biodegradable floss picks. Every oh, ad that yeah. I get on every social media site, every website, everywhere I go, I will be inundated with ads for biodegradable floss picks. So I'm covered. The next time I see a biodegradable floss pick ad, I'll just click it and off we go. Okay, off we go. That's it. There's too much to talk about today for us to deviate into other topics. But I still had to Uh check that box. I got the email on Friday. It's like, I have to remember to tell Miles and everyone else this. And, you know, the reaction to our conversation last week, it's so funny because it encapsulates the reaction that everyone has to everything in life. Stack of emails. Why did you waste our time talking about it? Another stack of emails. That was the funniest segment you've ever done on your show. Do that every day. So here we are. Bring on the emails. Florio at profootballtalk.com. Why did you take 90 seconds the morning after the Broncos have this miraculous win over the Bills and the Bills are done? And why did you talk about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. I don't care. All right, back at it. So I, I had a page of notes. I remember to talk about the Oral-B recycling program for floss picks. I forgot the page of notes I prepared because I specifically got up today to rewatch 
from the Bills' drive when they were down 21-15 after the Broncos scored. And I actually watched a little bit before that because there was an important play in the Broncos' touchdown drive that we need to discuss all the way through to the end of the game. I just wanted to see it. I wanted to think through some things. It all happened so fast last night. I just felt like I needed to take it in knowing what the outcome was going to be. So let's work backward. Okay. Okay. Will Lutz makes the 36-yard field goal. How in the hell does a professional football team with a full staff of coaches, I don't know how many coaches are employed by Sean McDermott, a lot of them, every NFL team, a lot of them, professional players, they practice these things. They know who's on the field goal block team, right? Yes. How do you get 12 guys out there? Now, maybe somebody was injured or somebody filled someone in spot earlier. And how do you... Hell, when I played in grade school, Miles, you knew the 11 guys that were on the field goal block team. Not that we ever kicked many field goals, but every special team, punt, punt return, kickoff, kick return, field goal, field goal block. There's 11 guys. There's 11. There's not 12. There's 11. And it's the responsibility of everyone on the field. Not everyone, but there's always a guy on the field who's responsible. The sideline needs to know what's going on. And the Bills can't say it was too crazy because every official out there threw their flag. Like, I saw three flags on the ground. So you got officials paying attention to how many guys are out here. How in the hell did – and I don't want to blame this directly on Sean McDermott, but it's the guy McDermott has entrusted the special teams to that screwed it up. He he trusted that guy to be able to count to 11 – with the game and maybe season on the line, it really was, to use Sean McDermott's phrase, and we'll hear from him coming up, inexcusable. It was multiple layers and levels of inexcusable. How do you get 12 guys out there in the first place for that play when you know it's coming? This wasn't some sudden development. Oh, wait, they're going to try a field goal. They had known for three minutes of real time that the field goal was coming. It was just this weird chess match of how many knees are the Broncos going to take? How many timeouts are we going to take? And when are they finally going to rush the unit out here? They knew this was coming. And you know it's going to be a fire drill. See, the thing about fire drill is you don't know it's coming. This is a fire drill that everybody knew was coming. There was no reason to say, oh, we didn't expect that. You expected it. You knew about it. You had a chance to plan for it. Hey, let's be detail-oriented here. We know we're going to have our 11 guys out there to try to induce Will Lutz to miss this field goal. Let's make sure there's only 11 out there. What's one way we could screw this up by sending 12 guys out on the field? It really, really is shameful. These are professionals. And the season may have gone like, with the, the gesture Matthew McConaughey makes. They just oh. gone. It's gone. Very it's dust. gone. Ceases to exist. Just from that. Just from that. That's the difference between for some teams in some seasons. Playoffs, no playoffs. That kind yeah. of failure to pay attention to detail in the execution and in the moment when you have a chance. When you have a chance to plan for it. They had a chance to plan for it. They knew this was coming. They knew it was coming. I, I, can't, I can't believe it. The more I think about that aspect of it with the timeouts and that weird little dance they were doing, we know it's going to be go time here. Let's get our 11 guys ready. Who's going to be out on the field and who isn't? I, it's a given. 
The 11 guys on the field goal block team are the ones that are out there and nobody else. I, I really want to hear more from the Bills, from the players, from the special teams coach, how in the F-K that happened, Miles. Well, I, the funnier part of this is that they practiced the situation during the week. And like, I guess from that standpoint, there's a bit of us that can absolve Sean McDermott on that because obviously they knew that that's an important situation. And they got that situation right at the end of the first half when Will Lutz and the rest of the field goal team for the Denver Broncos rushed themselves onto the field and actually had a really, really smooth operation in that emergency situation. Uh, Sean Payton called it hurricane for them now, or May Day is what it used to be for the Saints, I guess. I, I thought that that was very impressive because that's not an easy thing to do in that terms of field goal operation, right? And so when they do it again in the second half, it's like, all right, we've been through this, guys. Everybody understands what it is that we need to do here. And for them to get that wrong, for the Buffalo Bills to get that wrong, like the pressure is on the Denver Broncos. They're the ones that are down by a point here. They're going to lose the game if they don't get this right. All you need to do is just be out there and possibly block this thing, right? Yeah, it's just, that was unbelievable as a sequence because like you said, it's inexcusable to not know exactly what's supposed to happen on that play. And as uh, discussed by some of the Buffalo Bills beat writers on Twitter after the game, apparently Leonard Floyd was the player who was on the field for the 12 men that was not on the field for then what ended up being the game winning walk-off field goal. So there you have it. Yeah. And you know, I'm somebody who worries about everything because my approach is if you, if you worry about everything, the problem is it's the one thing you aren't worried about. that's going to bite you in the ass, but where's McDermott on the side? Like, once the and, and I don't want to make this dump on Sean McDermott day, but he's the head coach and his team is five and five. And they've had three straight home games that have been way too close for comfort. Went over the Giants Sunday night football way too close for comfort. It came down to an uncalled defensive pass interference in the end zone that allowed them to walk out with the win. Then Thursday night football against the Buccaneers. Way too close for comfort. Uncalled DPI and uncalled OPI on the Hail Mary at the end of the game, but it was blatant. They bracketed Kate Otten and dragged him to the ground where he was in position to catch the frickin' pass from Baker Mayfield that landed untouched to the ground. Beautiful throw. Way too close for comfort. Giants a team that the Bills should have beaten the I'll be I'll behave for now. Beaten the crap out of. Buccaneers, a team the Bills, by all rights, should have beaten the crap out of. Last night, the Broncos, a team the Bills should have beaten the crap out of. And for all that, for all that, they still got a chance to win a game they shouldn't have won. Sean McDermott's on the sideline. What's he doing? There's nothing further to do as the defensive coordinator, as the play caller, because Leslie Frazier was the scapegoat last year. What's he doing while this is all playing out? While Russell Wilson is taking a trio of knees to set up the non-drill fire drill. This is real, and it's not a surprise. You know it's coming. At some point, I know what I would have done in that moment. I'd be scared, and again, I'll behave for now, crapless over whatever could go wrong. 
What could go wrong? Let's see. How can we screw this up? How can we screw this up? Let's see. Let's see. 12 guys on the field. I'd have been say, I guarantee you, Miles, I'd have been going up and down that sideline saying, let's make expletive, expletive, expletive sure. We only got 11 guys out there when it's time to go do this thing. Let's make damn sure we only have 11 guys. Hey, special teams coordinator, you count your guys. Hey, everybody over here, let me get the special, let me get the field goal unit together. Everybody over here, and I know some of the guys on defense are part of it too, but still, you got time. That's the one thing because it was all rushed at the end. We forget the fact there was time to plan for this. We knew it was coming. It was almost getting boring. Like, when are they going to kick the damn field goal already? We know what this is coming down to. The drama's kind of like, well, all right, oh, no, another knee, another timeout. Do it again, do it again, do it again. I, 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 it's just, this is as bad as it gets for the Bills. To lose like that in prime time. This is one of those games you just want to tuck it into the 1 o'clock window on Sunday. You don't want it to be yeah. noticed by everybody and yeah. discussed by everybody. If this had happened with all the other games that happened on Sunday, it would have been a 10-minute segment of the show. Now it's going to be... I don't know. We're probably going to talk about this game for at least an hour, if not longer. And the biggest part of it is the screw up by the coaching staff to not have 11 guys on the field. Well, what's interesting, too, I mean, like you said, some of the guys that are on defense don't leave the field when you're doing this kind of fire drill uh, thing where the other field goal unit has to come on the field and then you're trying to block it. So depending on what package was supposed to be on the field, right? So there could be a field goal block personnel that they would do, or there could be usually like a field goal safe personnel. And maybe that's where some of the confusion happened. It should not have happened given the fact that, again, Sean McDermott said that they practiced this situation where they were in dime personnel, which is where you've got five defensive backs on the field, and then, excuse me, six defensive backs on the field. And then you have to substitute that you know, for the field goal team, whatever it happens to be, that should not have been something that was confusing. So at some point it did get confused. And the other part of it is, I mean, it's not like they were even trying to like rush off the field. Nobody noticed it. Nobody stopped to count that there were 11 guys lined up and then another guy behind. It's just, it's the kind of stuff that great teams don't do that really good teams don't do, that above average teams don't do. you you got to be average or below in order for these kinds of things to happen yep. that help you really, really lose games. And that's what the Buffalo Bills are right now at the end of the day. It's the latest manifestation of an organization that has quietly become dysfunctional and no yes. one will admit it. That's part of the dysfunction. See, yes. you get dysfunctional and then you – Spend your time circling the wagons, as Chris Berman would say about the Buffalo Bills, and fighting Uh anyone that would suggest things aren't right. Things Uh are amiss. People may lose their jobs over this. Instead of fighting back on those narratives, the properly functional organizations will say, maybe they're on to something. You know, before we start pushing back against reporters who might be saying, hey, there's a chance they're going to fire everybody after the season. Before we take time to try to, you know, maybe change that narrative, let's explore whether or not that narrative has any merit. Maybe they're onto something. Maybe we are kind of a mess right now. Maybe we just think, you know what? You know what? We've got Josh Allen, and he's great. 
We'll talk about that later. But the attitude has been, we've got Josh Allen. We've, we've got our new Jim Kelly, and he's better than Jim Kelly. He's Jim Kelly, and he can run, and he can make things happen out of the pocket. He's not just a pocket passer. This is the guy that's going to take us to where we've been trying to go forever. And they just kind of like, don't do anything else. It's like, we got Josh Allen. Well, okay, why are you going to win the Super Bowl this year? We got Josh Allen. Well, how are you going to get there? We got Josh Allen. How are you going to win the division? We got Josh Allen. And all the other stuff is secondary or tertiary, if you're feeling a little extra fancy. I won't let my active psoriatic arthritis joint symptoms define me. Emerge as you. Tremphia guselkumab is proven to significantly reduce joint pain, stiffness, and swelling in adults with active psoriatic arthritis. Some patients even reported less fatigue as assessed by survey one week prior. Results may vary. Tremphia is taken by injection six times a year after two starter doses at week zero and four. Serious allergic reactions may occur. Tremphia may increase your risk of infections and lower your ability to fight them. Before treatment, your doctor should check you for infections and tuberculosis. Tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms of an infection including fever sweats chills muscle aches or cough tell your doctor if you had a vaccine or plan to emerge as you learn more about tremphia including important safety information at tremphia.com or call 1-877-578-3527 see our ad in food and wine magazine for patients prescribed tremphia cost support may be available the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. For the world's greatest athletes. This is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. I have never seen anything like this. How about that? An Olympics unlike any other. The Paris Olympics. This summer on NBC and streaming on Peacock. So I, the, the, the house is on fire, and they have spent months denying that the house is on fire. And I think it's going to be too late to put the fire out. I think this is heading toward the big old reset button, and everybody's fired. And let's go find a new regime to take this team, which was trajectory, trajectory and now it's like back down here they still have josh allen but they need somebody who's going to take josh allen and not necessarily fix him he doesn't need to be fixed he just needs to be pointed in the right direction with enough around him offensively defensively special teams only 11 guys right next coach first thing in the interview How do you plan to fix special teams? I'll only put 11 guys on the field. I can guarantee you that. So this is, this is just, I've, I've, I've said all year, the bills are the Jenga tower. It's either going to fall 
or it's going to wobble and it's going to stand. And it's fallen now. Now, look, five and five, they could get hot. This could be the thing if they if they finally realize, you know what, we're a hot mess and we're going to spend the rest of the season admitting it and dealing with it and trying to fix it. Maybe they can start winning games now. They got the Jets this weekend. They should be able to beat the Jets. Maybe they can start building some momentum. Maybe this, maybe this is the moment it bottoms out and they realize, we better wake our asses up or we're all getting fired. Coaching staff in front office. We better do something. Because, you know, every week, Miles, like last week, I told you, and I admitted this, maybe I need an intervention for it. I watched the entire Ken Dorsey 25-minute press conference twice because I was looking for something to make me think that it was more than just word salads and cliches. And let me just answer this question so I can get to the next question, so I can get through this damn thing and go back to work so I don't have to deal with these people. There was nothing meaningful. I never get the sense that Ken Dorsey, like, I don't even think he understands the problem. How can you fix the problem if you don't understand it? If... If my air conditioner breaks in the summertime, I could stand there and look at it and say, I wonder what's wrong with it. Or I could call somebody who knows what's wrong with it and fix it. Like, I know what's wrong with it. It's not working. But I have no idea how to fix it. I feel like Ken Dorsey has no idea how to fix it. And you can't even begin to fix your problems. I, I, I don't mean to sound like a broken record. And I know that phrase has no relevance to today's youth. Oh, but. Final's very popular now. They Mike. have to admit what's oh well, okay, good, good. They ha I missed that. They have to admit that there's a problem before they ever are gonna have a chance to fix it. Well ever. At, at this point at this point they have admitted that there's a problem, right? And the the issue is it's an off season problem that the Bills have to solve right now because there is no margin for error anymore especially because they have five AFC losses. And so right now we're in a situation where there are a lot of really good teams in the AFC. I don't know how many great teams there are, but there are a lot of really good teams. And so when you have the Steelers with three losses, you have the Browns with three losses, the Houston Texans right now are five and four, and they're getting better with their young quarterback. And so, you got to jump those teams and you've got to jump other teams who are also now five and five. And you're not going to necessarily have a very good shot with the tiebreaker because you have five conference losses already. So that's going to be an issue going forward. There is no margin for error at this point with the Buffalo bills. If they are 10 and seven at the end of the year, they're not making the playoffs. There's not. There, there are too many good teams in the AFC that they're going to have to jump. So that's where it's like, man, you have now cost yourself so much by losing this game that you should have won, right? And that's why you have to admit that the house is on fire. Right? Sean McDermott admitting after the game, man, you know, I'm confident in Ken Dorsey, but we're too inconsistent. I think we can be better. So talking about the inconsistency across the board. Right? you got your quarterback who can't stop turning the ball over. That's a problem. You know, you've got a defense that played, you know, pretty admirably well. Think about all the injuries that they've got on defense. But then special teams-wise, you're allowing the returner to get to really, really good yardage here, right? I mean, the average drive start for Denver was their own 42-yard line. And they only scored, what, 23 points, if I'm doing this math correctly in my head? I, this is not good enough here from the Bills. 
where you have all these things that are combining to losses. It's just, I don't, I don't know what else you do except say, well, at a certain point, has this regime taken the bills as far as they can? Uh, I think at this point, that's a fair question and we can give them the rest of the season to answer that, but they've got to fix this now with a sense of heightened urgency. Like the sense of urgency should have been there last night. It wasn't. So now you have to ratchet up that urgency that much more because otherwise this is a lost season. The sense of urgency should have been there for at least the entirety of the season and off season. But I feel like, you know, the dynamic in Buffalo from the organization has been they're more concerned about protecting their turf than they are about fixing their problems. This isn't about yes. fixing our problems and becoming better. This is about not getting fired. And we're going to we're going to push back on anyone who suggests that maybe people are going to be fired and we're going to engage and we're going to discuss and we're going to argue that that's not going to happen instead of doing the things necessary to I don't know this may sound crazy, keep it from happening. Now, I promised this earlier, and I need to remember to do this before we move on to other aspects of the game. We could do the full two hours on the show, or two hours of the show on the game, or something like that. We may not get to do much if I can't talk straight. Let's hear Sean McDermott after the game talking about what he called inexcusable, having 12 guys on the field for the field goal that Will Lutz missed. Here he is. We practiced two or three times that this week, the substitution from from dime to field goal block, uh, and at the end of the day, uh, we didn't execute it. So it's inexcusable. Okay, not much to be gleaned from that. I'll go back and watch the entirety of that press conference after the show today because you just want to see how he's dealing with that moment. Have they had the eureka? Has the switch finally flipped? Because you know what's happening, I think? The Bills fans are finally flipping that switch and the Mm -hmm. bills fans are declaring five alarm fire you know they and these are the things i pick up anecdotally on social media and in reactions to different things that we'll post and say yeah when you're in the early stages of the life cycle of we're not as good as we need to be and this isn't going where it should go the fans will defend that criticism they'll Mm -hmm. blindly defend it because they don't want distractions and they don't want negativity and they still believe. We believe. How dare you disturb our fantasy that we're finally going to win a Super Bowl by pointing out facts? How dare you do that? That's gone now. I think after last night, the average zealous Bills fan is going to be saying, tell everybody to pack their shit and leave. Say it took 26 minutes. Uh, okay. I, I feel like... I feel like that's that's because it was starting to come. There was, you know, complaining among Bills fans. Josh Allen doesn't run enough, so they're not on board with the idea of let's keep him healthy for the playoffs and then he can run then. That that has been out there. That's been a talking point lately. And and I just feel like that was the sign that it's coming, that the mm-hmm. the backlash is building. And after last night, I I think that they're going to hear it. And for their next home game on Sunday – against the Jets, if they don't come out of the gates and blow the doors off the Jets, it's going to get loud and it's going to get ugly. And there may be signs. There may be bags on the head. I feel like last night's game, Bill's Mafia is out 
on the current regime? It, it Look, it's a turning point. And so one of my best friends is from Buffalo, lives there now. And, you know, I told him after the game last night, you, know, you get the group chat going, right? And like, he was just, it was in the acceptance stage of grief. And so once you get to that point, I, that is where you really need to start being concerned because it is, it's, it's one of these situations where there have been signs for over a year now, because Mike, when we would do shows last year and I would say, man, the bills, they have some lapses. Josh Allen turns the ball over a little bit too much. And I would get bills fans in my mentions and they'd be very, very mad at me. And then we got to the postseason, And what did Josh Allen do? He turned the ball over. He was reckless. He couldn't get things going. They lost badly to the Cincinnati Bengals at home, in the divisional round. And it's like, guys, I mean, this is the warning signs have been there. Right. And so now we get to this year and Josh Allen cannot stop turning the ball over. He's got 14 turnovers this year, more than Mac Jones and Desmond Ritter, more than Mac Jones and Desmond Ritter. We need to let that sink in for a second here. And not all of them are his fault as we watch Gabe Davis drop a perfectly placed ball over the middle. And it goes into the hands of somebody who's not exactly my cousin, Justin Sims, but like Look at what's going on here. Late to the outside from opposite hash to the sideline. What are you doing? Why are you doing this? Like th- you can't make that throw. I don't understand. It's like when Kyle Shanahan's talking about the horrible decision that Brock Purdy made that ended up at a touchdown. It's like, well, you live with it, with it if it's a touchdown. But that's not what happened there. Josh Allen and Cook, they can't get the mesh point right. Ball ends up on the ground. We got church money on the ground. And look what the Broncos do. They pick it up. It's, it's amazing. And then Cook later on in the game when the ball miraculously bounces up back to him, it's like, well, I don't know what was going on there, but that was lucky. But you can't keep doing those things and still win. And, like, that's really what the problem is with the Bills. They have these lapses. They don't really – I don't know what exactly it is that they don't do. It's like they they lose focus, right? Josh Allen makes terrible decisions. And then all of a sudden we get to the ends of the game and they're like, why is this game so close? It's like, oh, because they can't stop freaking turning the ball over. That's a problem. It's why Josh Allen right now is one of the big issues with the Buffalo Bills. He just is. Well, And this is something that Sims and I have gone back and forth about for the last couple of years. When the window was wide open and it looked like they were on the brink of getting back to the Super Bowl, and then it started to go the other way. You know, the criticism that Chris would have and still has is they don't have enough help around Josh Allen. It can't just be Stephon Diggs. There's flashes of guys, but there isn't another superstar. That's one of the reasons I was saying, hey, they should trade for Derrick Henry. Trade for Derrick Henry and – reset your offensive identity around Derrick Henry and have Josh Allen as the guy who operates out of play action after Derrick Henry is gashing the hell the way James Cook was last night of the opposing offense. Run the ball. Broncos aren't great against the run. Run the ball. Don't try to do these things that just aren't there. They got it in their head early on that Josh Allen is Superman. Mm -hmm. And everyone has bought into the narrative that Josh Allen is Superman. The problem is, all too often... He's not faster than a speeding bullet. He's not more powerful than a locomotive. And he's not able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. And nobody seems to think, okay, maybe that means he's not really Superman to the point where he can just do this on his own. There's too much of that. This guy can do it. Look at what he does. There's enough 
that, like they say about golfers, they keep coming back because there's that one shot around, that one shot oh, yeah. that makes yeah. them think they can eventually turn that one shot into every shot. There's that one play yes. a game. Josh Allen had that throw where he was rolling left. Gabe Davis sat down in the zone, and he fired that rope right into his hands, and he actually mm-hmm. caught it, didn't glance off of his hands, unlike earlier in the game. And and that was like the that's like the, hey, there's Josh Allen. The touchdown run. Hey, there's Josh Allen. There's not enough, hey, there's Josh Allen. And there's too much of, what the hell did I just see? And nobody wants to admit it. Nobody wants to admit it because if they admit it, then the next question is, how are we going to fix it? And I just don't right. think they know how to fix it. And this is a problem. And we were having this conversation on the PFT writers text thread last night. And I become more and more convinced with all due respect to D'Amico Ryans, Robert Sala, Coach Dungy, Bill Belichick, every great defensive mind that became a head coach, either in the past or currently. In today's NFL, the way the game is constructed today with quarterbacks being the centerpiece of the team, getting a good one, developing him, and continuing his development into the future at an upward level that culminates in one or more Super Bowl wins. I would never, ever hire a defensive head coach. Ever. Because, because when it's working, as it is currently in Houston, and now the Texans fans are going to be mad at me for pointing out what's coming. Bobby Slowick's going to be a head coach somewhere else. He's the offensive coordinator. He's the one who's making C.J. Stroud into C.J. Stroud, the new Superman. So, Sloak becomes a head coach somewhere else, like Brand Dayball did after he made Josh Allen into Superman. In comes a new offensive coordinator. What happens? We don't know. But you know what's going to happen eventually? Eventually, this, this coaching tree that D'Amico Ryans is going to sprout because every offensive coordinator that works with C.J. Stroud is going to get opportunity to be a head coach elsewhere. Sooner or later, you're going to get one that can't get it done. Then what do you do? Then what do you do? You just double down, triple down, circle the wagons, deny it? Or do you do something about it? That's the fundamental problem in Buffalo. Beyond the fact that they don't have enough highly talented players to compliment Josh Allen, Ken Dorsey is not built for this job. And that's okay. We're not all built for every job that we do. And there's a certain freedom that comes in acknowledging, you know what? I'm just not very good at this. I, I had a flashback to when my son started playing baseball. And you know you want to try all the different positions as you settle in. So... One day we're practicing, and he decides to put on the catcher's gear. He just wants to try catcher, right? So he's trying catcher, and he's having fun with it. But at one point, he pulls the mask off, and he looks back at me, and he's smiling. He says, I suck at this. And there is so much freedom. (laughs) There is so much freedom in self-awareness. And I feel bad for Ken Dorsey, and I think that's the thing that was nagging at me that caused me to watch that press conference twice. He's the only person in the world who doesn't realize he's not good at this. And it's sad. It's oh. very sad. So now, now we'll see if there's an overreaction. We'll see if there's an overreaction by the Bills. We'll see if special teams coordinator gets fired today. We'll see if Dorsey gets fired today. You know, the problem is who do you replace him with? you got seven games left. The, the real thing I'm looking for is whether or not this is the wake-up call it gets them to do something, but that's the next train is already on the tracks. It's Tuesday. 
It they is. play in five days. What can you really do between now and Sunday? You just have to hope that Zach Wilson shows up. The Zach Wilson we've come to know and love, not the one that was the second overall pick in the draft. That's all they can hope for at this point. They, you know, we're going to try harder. Wilson, bro. That's the attitude. We're going to try harder. We're going to try. What are you going to do Sunday? We're just going to try harder. We're not going to put, I, I guarantee you what we're not going to do Sunday. We're not going to put 12 guys on the field when it's time for them to kick a field goal. That's yeah, what we're no going to do. Sherlock. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I think it's like I said, that the Ken Dorsey thing is an off season problem. So, you know, admitting I'm not very good at this right now, that doesn't serve anybody. It's you've got to be able to try and come up with a plan that has the cohesion that doesn't feel like it's, you know, somebody calling plays on Madden, right? And, you know, I don't like to necessarily compare one guy to somebody that we think is one of the best in the league, but, you know, you hear different players talk about Kyle Shanahan and the way he sets plays up, right? He may be running one thing, and even if it doesn't necessarily work, you're still going to run it because you want the defense to see it, right? It may be something that you want this defense to see, or it's something that you want another defense to see down the road, but you run one play to set up another play. And I don't really ever feel like Ken Dorsey is doing that. And that I think is part of the problem with the bills, right? It's not necessarily that things are predictable. It's that things are herky jerky. You don't get the sense that they've really got a smooth plan going except for maybe that drive that they did toward the end of the game where all they did was run the damn ball because, oh, by the way, you're averaging over seven yards carry. So yeah, that might be a good idea. And then Josh Allen runs the thing in at the end and then they take the lead because they had the extra point. And so that's kind of where I'm like, there are things that you can do right now to make yourself better offensively if you have more of a cohesive plan and like, I, I don't necessarily know how you develop that, but then again, I'm not paid the amount of money that Ken Dorsey is to figure that out, I, but they've got to do it. They've got to make sure that this thing is cohesive because that's the only way that the bills are going to make themselves that much better, right? You, you have to be able to get through series and drives and different things in the game where maybe you do run something in the first half and you run something similar in the second half, but no, it's not what you saw before. It's something different. And you didn't necessarily think that that was coming, that that's what you've got to be able to do offensively. I, I agree with you completely. There's no identity. There's no rhythm. There's no overarching strategy. There's no chess match going on where, you know what? I'm doing some stuff now. And that's all a setup to what I'm going to do later. Yeah. And I'm going to get you with it later because I'm I'm setting up the okie doke now. I'm going to get you later as you start to think this is what we're doing. I got surprises for you. I got things baked into this game plan. They call it a game plan. I don't feel like there's a plan. It's like random play it's a generator menu right now. for the Buffalo Bills. It, it, it's a menu instead yeah. of a plan. The... The drive in the first half when they went no huddle, when they went tempo, and that was one of the things Dorsey was asked about in that 25-minute word salad press conference last week. It works. And I know you don't want to wear out your defense, you know, even if yeah. your no huddle, quick tempo offensive is effective, it's not much time for your defense to get rest. But if your offense stinks, and this is a way to make your offense better, you don't have to do it all the time. You don't have to do no huddle all the time. You just have to be ready to use it. 
you catch them on their heels and you get a quick seven that way. And then you go back to being your normal crappy random play generator offense and then but that's go what they no did. Huddle at another point. Well, that's I know, a- but at the, at, but that, that yes, it it worked and they went back to their old I mean, it, hey, we got something that worked. All right, let's go back to the old thing. I guess my thing with the no huddle is like, yeah, you want to use it at different points. And yeah, if it works, it's great. But like, that's not really the way to go when you know you can run the ball. Like that's, if you can run the ball and you can run it at him and you can be physical and you can take it to him, right? That That's what the Bills need more of. It's not just, oh, let's go no huddle so Josh Allen can throw it around and da 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 Like, let's be physical up front. You know, let's push guys, let's move bodies. And they're able to do that if they can really like focus in on it and they drill in on it. And there's that sense of urgency, right? Because that's what you saw toward the end of the game where they did run the ball and they were physical. And I'm like, oh, okay, I, we can do like This is the bills that we expect to see. They're just so wildly inconsistent that I, for whatever reason, they can't keep that physicality going. I don't know why. That's really where I'm thinking, you know, that's where there's the problem with the cohesion, right? And the plant. It's like, okay, we can be physical when we need to be, right? We can move bodies. We can run the ball sometimes, especially against that particular defense. But we can't do it with any sort of consistency. Why? I don't don't get it. I just, I don't. And obviously it doesn't help when your quarterback is throwing the ball late and outside and, you know, your quarterback isn't getting the mesh point right with the running back. And one of your wide receivers that had four touchdowns in this game that we continue to reference with the Buffalo Bills with 13 seconds. But, you know, was that the peak of the Buffalo Bills in this era? I mean, it's it's fair to ask now if that really was, even though they were in the AFC championship game the year before. Right? I, I, I don't know. I, I, it, it's just ah, you watch the Bills and you're just like, come on, because you, you see it's there, but it's not. That 13 seconds, though. That may be the root of all these problems. Tyler Dunn has taken deep dives into that 13 seconds, how it came to be, the lingering resentments. It reminds me of the end of Super Bowl 49, the decision to pass, not run uh-huh. with the Seahawks. Yeah. You can have moments like that that require a hard reset of either the coaching staff or the roster for people to get over. 28-3 to 3 is another example of that, mm-hmm. where it's just going to linger over the organization until and for the Seahawks what happened was come 2017 they got rid of most of the guys who were like they were other than Russell Wilson they were just gone there was that purge 2017 or thereabouts the year Richard Sherman left and others left Mm -hmm. like the guys who still couldn't let it go and I just wonder if there are guys on the bills who still can't let 13 seconds go specifically number 14 when I saw the tweet last night from Trayvon Diggs about his brother, Stefan. And Trayvon's on injured reserve. He has a torn ACL. He's with the Cowboys. But we know this Stefan Diggs narrative is part of the Bills' experience. Because, look, anytime you trade for a guy who decides he wants to break up with the team he's currently dating, you're the next one in line to be the team he wants to break up with. So it's going to happen at some point that Stefan Diggs is going to want out of Buffalo. And when his brother tweets, man, 14 got to get up out of there. And this wasn't a text message. I mean, maybe he accidentally meant to text him and he tweeted it instead. I don't think so. This is out there publicly for everyone to react to. And Stefan Diggs was, I think, nowhere to be seen or heard 
you know, a lot of times what happens is guys who are upset after a game, they're just gone. Like George Pickens, week and a half ago, just gone. And the media that covers the team doesn't make a big deal about it because they still have to cover the team. and They don't want to stir up crap unnecessarily. They don't want to be that guy to be the one that's saying, you know, hall monitor. Oh, I'm sorry, but you have media obligations. But, you know, Stephon Diggs knows when to, to get out of the locker room. His brother, Trayvon, is talking about getting out of Buffalo. And that thing that happened in June, I don't care how they try to explain it. That, that was a moment where Bill's Mafia circles the wagons and, and gives the finger to anyone who dares to say, man, that's weird. Whatever happened was weird. So wait, he stormed out. They said he stormed out, but the truth is they told him to go. And now they're acting like everything's fine. Like there's something there. And the only yeah. thing that was going to cure it was winning. Five mm-hmm. and five does not cure whatever was bothering Stephon Diggs. Three catches for 34 yards does not cure whatever bother, was bothering Stephon Diggs. Standing there and watching your coaching staff put 12 guys on the field for the field goal that was missed and would have won the game does not fix whatever was there. I think unless they do a hard reset and bring in a new coaching staff after the season, I think Diggs is going to want out, period. Just the same reason he wanted out of Minnesota. They extended Kirk Cousins' contract that same day. He tweets his way out of Minnesota. If they keep that coaching staff, Diggs is going to want out. I have not forgotten that Sean McDermott said he was, quote, very concerned about Stephon Diggs that day, right? And it was weird because it was mid-June. And what the hell are you doing very concerned about a player in mid-June? I don't get it. So there was something there. I don't think we we don't know quite really what it was because they kept everything in house that actually led up to whatever argument it was that Stefan Diggs either stormed out or was asked to leave, but he probably was asked to leave because the bills eventually clarified that he was asked to leave. Whatever that was, some of that might still linger. I, I don't know that Steph's brother speaks for him. And sometimes I don't know that that's exactly fair to put on another person what somebody else says. However, you can't look at that and not be concerned in some way, especially given the way things are going right now with the Buffalo Bills. If things don't improve over the next however many games there are left in the season, then that's something that you have to look at and say, well, I don't know. I mean, there are some concerns right now with Stephon Diggs based on the fact that Sean McDermott was very concerned in mid-June, you know, whatever happened there. And now we have this tweet. Like, it's not everything, but it's certainly not nothing. Certainly not nothing. In this day and age, given the way that that generation communicates, that tweet means a lot, especially because if Stephon Diggs had a problem with it, very easy to call or text his brother and say, do me a favor and take that down, delete that. I don't need that now. I don't, I, don't, I don't need this right now, Trayvon. I appreciate that you care about me, and we can take this up later. I don't need this public right now. I'm trying to get through this. I'm trying to work this out. I'd like to stay here. I'd like to make it work. But, you know, back to that thing in June, and you're absolutely right. Sean McDermott says he's very concerned that Stephon Diggs is here, creating the impression he stormed out, creating the impression he didn't even show up at first. Yeah. I mean, it was that afternoon of what the hell is going on with the Bills and Stephon Diggs. Is he okay? Yes. Do they even know where he yes. is? Like, I'm yes. very concerned about him. But yes. but to, to, quote, to quote a line that Big Cat used to utter on this show when he would appear on Fridays, dysfunctional teams do dysfunctional things. 
that is a sign of the dysfunction that is permeating the Bills organization. And there are other things with the entire organization. And at some point, it rolls up to ownership. The longer this all lasts without major changes, the more you just say, ownership doesn't know what to do either. Like, they got a problem, and they just keep banging their head against the same wall, hoping that Josh Allen will make that one throw more often. It'll be that golfer that takes that one shot per round into a happy Gilmore type of a transformation. And it's just, it's not going to happen. It's not happening. And I think what's going to happen is the fans are going to make their voices heard, and that's going to force the team. It's going to force management to do something about it. Before we take a break, and we're going to talk about the Broncos side of this afterward. I'm getting angry emails from Broncos fans who want to revel in the fact that they beat the Chiefs and Bills in back-to-back games, and bravo. But the far more compelling story is... The Bills circled wagons. The Conestogas are up in flames this morning. Um, here's Josh Allen. Conestoga, it's a wagon. It's an old wagon. Come on, man. You went to Columbia. Conestoga. It's okay. the Conestoga wagon. Are you, okay. Uh-huh. Uh, maybe I'm just old. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Here's Josh Allen after the game, who, who did his press conference with Mitch Morse with him, which was a little – that's not usual for NFL quarterbacks. Here's Allen talking about the loss, and if he's confident they can – you know, they're groping in the dark for that switch that they're going to flip. Can they turn it around with seven games left? Here he is. It sucks. Shouldn't have been in that position in the first place. Um, a lot of bad football. A lot of bad football. Yeah, I'm still confident, but it's no secret. The clock's ticking, you know. Got to have some urgency now. What what leaves you still confident in the offense after it's been so many weeks of kind of the same story here? Because we've done it before. See, I, <laughs> this gets back to the fundamental problem. They think they're just going to snap their fingers and it's going to be 2020. Wow. We've done it before. Not this team, not this year. Every year is different. Some of the players are the same. Coaches are the same. Uniforms are the same. But there's enough change. And the key was Dayball leaving. They haven't been the same since Dayball got the job with the Giants. Not that things are going swimmingly for him. Maybe he'll be available to come back and be the offensive coordinator or the head coach after the season. But you can't just say, I'm confident because I've done it before. Right? It's like oh. saying if you're in school and, and not, but not like if you're in school and like you're you. a senior and you're getting F's. Oh, well, why are you confident you're suddenly going to get A's? Because when I was in eighth grade, I used to get A's. Like, I mean, at some point, the past is not an indicator of what's going to happen going forward. But the other side of it, too, Miles, is what else is he going to say? We're not confident. I know that this is just I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I think that's the truth. For Josh Allen, for Ken Dorsey, for Sean McDermott, for anyone with that team right now, what do you need to do? I think the answer is we don't know because if we did, we would have done it by now. Yes. I mean, Josh Allen has said kind of a version of that over the course of the season, right? If we had the answers, we would have done it by now. And that's the problem at this point. They clearly don't have the answers or they have not come up with any kind of real good answers in order to make things right. I mean, Sean McDermott did say, like, they can't play another game without having some very hard conversations first. So 
that's something that they've got to do today, basically, because Wednesday, like we said, it's a short week. You got to get your ass back on that practice field and you better get ready for those New York Jets because that's not an easy defense to solve. We saw it on opening night, right? Aaron Rodgers gets hurt and lo and behold, the Bills still lose. So this is something that the Bills have to take care of now, right? And, you know, I don't know if that just means that Josh Allen can't throw it late and outside. Like, that's one thing you can do to not have so many freaking turnovers. You know, don't make bad decisions as a quarterback. But also, just as a unit, you have to be able to have the tough conversations and look yourself in the mirror and say, this is on me. How do I improve? And I'm, I don't mean that just for Josh Allen. I mean that for Sean McDermott, Ken Dorsey, special teams coordinator, whoever you want to talk about, right? Hey, because John McDermott doesn't necessarily just have to look himself in the mirror for the 12 men. It's also the zero blitz that leads to the pass interference because you've already knocked the team out of field goal range. And why exactly do you need to do that again? Well, they're showing pressure on that play. That Russell Wilson just lobs it up there for, I think it was Jerry Judy, right? I, I'm thinking, well, they're going to yes. back off of this. They already did this. They don't need to do this again, but they're showing pressure because they're going to back off and they didn't back off. And what happens? Well, you play in gauge eight. All the quarterbacks got to do is like yak that thing up there. And then you get a defensive pass interference call and you get three flags on the field. I mean, this is not something that they should have done. If Russell Wilson lays it up even further, it's a touchdown, but he didn't. So, I mean, there's just a lot of things that the Bills have very little time to improve. But that right there is something you can directly blame Sean McDermott for because he now is the defensive play caller because, well, Leslie Frazier, whatever happened there. Hey, this is shades of what happened three weeks ago in Minnesota right before halftime. I hadn't thought of that Uh until just now. The Steve Wilkes all-out blitz when there was no reason. There was no reason for it. So when you do that, when you do that, and did Russell Wilson throw a great ball? Hell no. It should have been a touchdown. Should have been a touchdown, which completely changes the last minute of the game because the Bills get the ball back at that point, and who knows what they do. But one of the things that can happen in a situation like that, when a guy goes deep, the ball's underthrown, and he stops to catch it, what happens? We see it all the time. The defensive back who's been burned and who is saying in his own head, oh, bleep, oh, bleep, oh, bleep, oh, bleep, he runs into the guy. And I wasn't sure they were going to throw the flag, but two flags (laughs) came in. You know, that's one of At those least. let them play moments. It's one of those let them play. First quarter, we call it. Fourth quarter, we're in Buffalo. We kind of like to get out of here alive. Yeah, you know, it's just a little normal jostling. But he wiped him out. You couldn't not call that. But you're right. Why in the world are you calling that blitz? It already worked once. Why are you doing it again? They are out of field goal range. Let him gain five yards and try a 57-yarder. Guy ain't going to make a 57-yarder. Let him try it. But you go all eggs in the basket and you set up the game-winning field goal that should have been missed, but for the fact that 12 guys were on the field. One last point. Courtney's only politely told me to break. She hasn't, she hasn't like, said break. I mean, I know it's time to go it's when she just says yet. break. Not break next or take a break when you can. When she just says break, I know I'm in trouble. Yeah. Let, let me just point this out. Because all of these things we've seen from Bills, I go back to the beginning of the season. We saw them Monday Night Football. It didn't go well. They win three in a row, not in prime time. They were dominant. One o'clock Eastern. Dominant. Blew out the Raiders. Blew out the Commanders. 
blew out the Dolphins in a 1 o'clock Eastern game. Mm-hmm. And then ever since then, except for the loss to the Patriots, they have been in the spotlight in London. They lost to the Jaguars. It was sluggish. It was ugly. It was pathetic. That Giants game that they won felt like a loss. Should have lost that game. Then, okay, they lose to the Patriots, but that was tucked into the 1 o'clock window. Buccaneers, Thursday night, ugly, sluggish. Somehow they won. Bengals, Sunday night, lost that one. Last night, lost that one. They continue to be in the spotlight, Miles. This week, 425 p.m. Eastern, big platform game against the Jets at home. At the Eagles... Thanksgiving weekend, Sunday, 425 Eastern. Then they get their bye. Who knows what happens during that bye if they lose the next two. At the Chiefs, out of the bye. The Cowboys, after that, the Saturday night Peacock game against the Chargers in L.A. two days before Christmas. And then finally, they get out of the spotlight for Week 17 when they have a return match against the Patriots. I, it's And they're 5-5. Five and five. Like, if they become that team, because I think the 2001 Patriots were around 5-5 five and five or 6-5 and five when they slipped it into overdrive. If the Bills pull this off, it's going to be the most impressive late season we found our groove run ever when you consider the game still to come. Last Absolutely. night was a must win simply because so many of these games coming up are a likely loss. There's no margin for error. Like I said earlier, I mean, it is just – you. You cannot play more games like that and expect to make the playoffs. You can't. Because, look, the Philadelphia Eagles, you turn the ball over four times, it's not going to be like that, you know? I don't know what's going to happen against the Kansas City Chiefs. The Bills play the Chiefs very, very well. So who knows what that's going to look like. But the Chiefs are another team with as good as that defense has been so far this year. That they, if you turn the ball over like that against them, it's probably not going to go very well for you. Because eventually, you got to believe Patrick Mahomes is going to figure some stuff out. And it looks like, you know, we'll see what happens next week against the Eagles on Monday night. But, like, that, that's another game where it's like, I don't know. Chargers, I don't necessarily worry about that, right? Who knows what the Patriots are going to look like. So those are a couple wins, you know, that you can have. But also, I guess if they're in a national spotlight, and Josh Allen's playing another elite quarterback. Like, can I really just like dismiss the Chargers, even though the Chargers pass defense and defense kind of in general is not very good? I don't know. So it's just it's not looking great right now. Cowboys game especially. That just is one where it's like, man, yeah, if you turn the ball over against them, they're gonna take advantage of it. I don't know, man. This is this is dark times maybe coming for the Buffalo Bills. That that storm cloud above their heads, that that's getting darker. It's not just the weather in Buffalo. There are 11 teams in the AFC right now who are at 500 or better. 11. Mm-hmm. The Bills are 5-5. Five and five. I think it's going to take 10 wins to get in. We're still kind of getting our feet wet with what it takes to get in with the 17-game season. We had a pretty good idea of what it took with, with 16, like 10, but sometimes 10 wouldn't get you in. 11, one time 11 didn't get the Patriots in. 10 or 11 this year, I agree, Miles, and that's 5-2. and two. Through those games we just reviewed for the Bills, five and two, I'm betting the under on five and two for the Bills based on what we've seen. Unless something dramatic happens in this five days between now and the Jets game, I'm betting the under on five and two. If you bet the under on one hour for the opening segment, you barely win. It's 7.59 a.m. Eastern. We'll take a break, and we'll continue to talk about this game from the perspective of the team that actually won it when PFT Live continues right after this. I won't let my active psoriatic arthritis joint symptoms define me. 
Emerge as you. Tremphia guselkumab is proven to significantly reduce joint pain, stiffness, and swelling in adults with active psoriatic arthritis. Some patients even reported less fatigue as assessed by survey one week prior. Results may vary. Tremphia is taken by injection six times a year after two starter doses at week zero and four. Serious allergic reactions may occur. Tremphia may increase your risk of infections and lower your ability to fight them. Before treatment, your doctor should check you for infections and tuberculosis. Tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms of infection, including fever, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough. Tell your doctor if you had a vaccine or plan to. Emerge as you. Learn more about Tremphia, including important safety information, at tremphia.com or call 1-877-578-3527. See our ad in Food & Wine magazine. For patients prescribed Tremphia, cost support may be available. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 